Oh, yeah. Oh, that's the stuff. I'm wearing a goofy hat. I got tape on my finger. My voice is jazzy at best, but it is Monday night. It is the Monday after Oktoberfest weekend, and I think we could all do with a beer. So let's get to it. to it let's get to it am i gonna have a beer no am i gonna have a big beer you know you might have thought i was gonna say yes there but i'm gonna say no to that too i'm gonna leave a little surprise a a twist worthy of m night Shyamalan. oh my large hat just bumped into my microphone if you're watching the video what i'm wearing here this felt appendage attached to my head this is a uh this isn't the German Alpine walking hat that most people are accustomed to seeing at the uh, at the Oktoberfest. Indeed, this is sort of more of the wizard hat style. And if you're familiar with it, oh, there's Jen. How you going? This is the hats that they give out at the at the tents in Munich. And this one itself, this is a uh, a Weinstefaner hat. Um, this is my regular go-to silly Oktoberfest hat. That said, I don't have my headphones on and it feels weird. So I'm going to take this beautiful Gandalfian lid off and put back on my beloved AKG M22, sorry, 220s. Uh, these are, these make me feel like I'm back at home. got to adjust the YouTube camera just a little. That's a bit better. Well, hey, howdy, everybody. If you notice my voice sounds extra jazz uh, radio DJ, uh, that is not because of any sickness, unless it's a, a sickness of celebration. And uh, while we're on the topic, I'd like to thank the handful of people that reached out to wish the rugby club well uh, for this weekend. It was, of course, the cup weekend. If you're a regular listener to the podcast and you stick around long enough to hear when we transition to the Toronto rugby podcast, you'll know this. Now, friends, uh, I know I'd warned you it was going to be a tight game. It was going to be a hard game. And, uh, in the end, it was, uh, down to a single point, the, uh, final score 24 to 23. It was a hard fought, uh, game. Everybody who played in it, uh, deserves, you know, all the accolades they can get. But obviously, Bombay Beach deserves the bigger ones because we won. And by we, I mean they. I just stood on the sidelines and drank beer and then ran onto the field with all my little energy that I could muster and celebrated the heck out of it because aren't we all just one big team? But, uh, yeah, we won. Won the Cup, the McCormick Cup. We also won the G Gage Cup, our TRU ones. And uh, we're waiting on the historians to confirm this, but we believe it's the first time ever in the history of rugby in Ontario that a club has won all four levels of uh, championship in one season. Uh, so that's quite something. That's not nothing. And uh, to be fair, I was part of that. I did play in actually the very last game, the championship game. I missed a tackle. I did some other stuff too, but that's the main thing I remember. But anyway, uh, this voice is because I was shouting and screaming a lot on Saturday. 
And typically this sort of thing takes a day to clear, but this one is taking more. So you get a slightly, um, well, raspy, jazzy voiced me, but we're not going to let that stop us. No, we're not. This is the Toronto Beer Podcast with me, your host, Chris Schreier. And as promised, well, not as promised, actually. Um, similar to what was promised, we are still on the Oktoberfest romp. This past weekend, of course, Oktoberfest would have wrapped up in Germany. Deutschland. Hello, Dave. Uh, Dave, I'm trying to wave at you. There we go. Sorry, the screen. I got to get a new screen protector. Um, Oktoberfest did wrap up this past weekend in, uh, in Munich, in Germany. And uh, I had been intending on procuring for myself one of the Black Lab, friend of the pods, by the way, Black Lab Brewing, their Fest beer, their Oktoberfest beer. And I endeavored to do that today before uh, Physio. I'm on holiday. Pardon me, it wasn't before, it was after. After Physio, I swung in. Uh, had a beer, had two, in fact, tasty beers, tasty beers. But unfortunately, the Fest beer not available in package, only available on draft, served no less in one liter Steins, a mass Stein, if you prefer. And uh, hey, that's the way you should get it. But I couldn't bring any home with me. But instead, I happen to know for a fact because I had seen at the Queen and Coxwell LCBO, the Paul Anner that I had discussed, the Oktoberfest beer. Here it is right here. Now, it was not available in a one liter can accompanied by a one liter Stein branded as such. More is the shame. But I've got good news for you. I have this beer right here. This is a Paul Anner Oktoberfest beer, as just discussed. This, because it's a European can, it's not a 474 mil can. No, no, no. It is a 500 mil can. This, one of my many... Um, Steins. This one's very German. If you're listening to the podcast, I'm sorry. I'll describe it to you. It is a clear glass Stein with a worn uh, gold plated style rim and many uh, colorful depictions of German life, including I'm going to assume these are the flags or the crests of the provinces. Oh, wait, there are labeled. I can tell you Saarland. Rheinland Pfalz, Nordhain Westfalen, <laughs> Niedersachsen, Bremen, Hamburg, Schleswig Holstein, Mecklenburg, I'm assuming, I don't know if these are cities or provinces, Berlin is in there, Brandenburg, uh, Bayern. I think these are provinces or regions, anyway, of. Germany. There's a picture of Heidelberg, where the printing press was developed. Would you believe? Hey, there's my darling, lovely wife. Anyway, what have we got? We've got a 500 mil can of Paul Anner Oktoberfest beer. We've got a one liter Stein from the fatherland, Deutschland. The good news is, did I say we had one Paul Anner? No, I lied. We had two. That's one whole liter, kids. It's going to take a minute, but we're going to do this the way you're supposed to. Ignoring the fact that this isn't draft Paul Anner, this is canned Paul Anner. 
Oh, this mug is really... By the way, I don't know if you noticed. I'm not giving you the finger here. I've got a finger taped up. I, I dinged up my finger at hockey on Friday. Two separate physiotherapists have both said there might be something broken, but I think it's okay. It's going to be fine. They don't do much for a break these days anyway. They just tell you to be careful. Anyway, it does make picking up a fairly heavy glass stein slightly more complicated. Okay, I didn't do that one on screen, but there's the beer. Doesn't really look like halfway, does it? It's because one liter is to this collar, and then this part up here, that's for head. Oh, I'm going to have to close that. Oh, the the output tray. Oh, my old, my old nemesis, the output tray. Okay, I'm going to do this one on screen. Here's the stein. Here's the beer. Here's the pour. We are going for head now, guys. I don't know if you can hear me at, if you're listening at home. Uh, I got distracted. I might have gone a little too heavy with that. Sorry, the, the Stein was blocking the microphone. And can we all see? Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. That is a Stein. That is a Stein of Paul Anner Oktoberfest beer. Paul Anner, one of the, I believe, six or seven breweries uh, native to Munich, all of whom participate heavily in Oktoberfest, all of whom right now have staff that are very tired and also probably sick of wearing Lederhosen or Dirndl, uh, depending on how they prefer to dress themselves. Anyway, this is a Stein, if you can see on the screen, if you're watching. This one, you know, it's a little bit lighter in color than, uh, say, the Nonbe or the, uh, what was the one from Hamburg? I'm, I, <laughs> I hate to say it, guys. Very forgettable. I keep forgetting who makes that beer. Anybody in the comments wants to remind me who that brewery from Hamburg is? We did it last week. It's gone now from my brain. Anyway. This one a bit lighter, maybe not quite the same color as their Hellas, which would be a little bit lighter, uh, but a very uh, dark, not dark, moderately golden amber color, beautifully clear, wonderful white, uh, we would call that head soapy. It's a nice, um, it's not dense, it's, it's airy, it's bubbly head on this one. Let me stick my schnozzle into this uh, here giant mug of beer. Yeah, I mean, wonderful, warm, sweet uh, malts, bready, but not uh, not getting into that uh, pumpernickel level. There's none of that. Hang on. Little. Yeah, a little grassy leafy. I think this is going to be one of those ones that does what it says on the can. By the way, what does it say on the can? It says that it's it's 6%. So it's generous without being aggressive. And built to be drank by the leader. So let's see what we do here. By the way, I, I have had this beer in the past. I don't have specific memories of how it goes. So this is effectively new to me. Well, let me have another sip. Uh, 
Yeah. Yeah. So not as complex as the Nonbe or the uh, other, uh, the one that's escaped me. Uh, the malts really hit on sort of like the two row level. Um, they taste delightfully of barley. It's, it's, it's got a nice, sweet uh, kind of golden uh, farm field barley kind of vibe to it but not a whole lot else there. Uh, hops, again, uh, grassy is what I would go with. There is some nice bitterness on the finish, but the beer is a lager. It doesn't take a lot of hops to clean it up. Yeah. I mean... Part of the problem here is this beer is purpose built. And the purpose that this beer was built for was to drink a lot of it in uh, not a short amount of time, uh, but in a short period of time to be able to consume a lot so that over an extended period of time, you can drink a lot, a lot of it. Uh, and remembering that this is 6% alcohol, this drinks strangely a lot like a slightly more complex Hellas lager. Yeah, just pleasingly multi-sweet, clean finish with some grassy, slightly leafy hops. Super clean, super clean. Finish is dry without being bitter. It's just a really nice... As the kids would say, crushable beer, pardon me, and it's crushable at 6%, designed to be consumed one liter at a time. If at the end of one liter, the beer is warming, you're not doing it right. Um, it, you know, as somebody who spends a lot of time thinking about the way that a beer tastes and probably thinking about how the person who made it, what they did to make it taste that way. Um, different techniques, different ingredients, uh, etc. This is not one of those beers. This is a really well-made, very delicious, but incredibly basic beer. And it's made in unbelievable, like, eye-wateringly high quantities uh, and I guarantee you they don't have much left probably in Munich right now they're probably more or less out and uh, and a lot of people have sore heads and some memories from drinking that beer and uh, I mean thankfully I'm not going to be among those I just had a big weekend, and uh, even at that, probably don't feel as bad as some people coming out of this weekend. So this is uh, Paul Anner, Oktoberfest beer. As I say, pretty straightforward. They're not, uh, they're not encouraging you to write an essay about this one. They're encouraging you to have another leader. That's scary. But that is super, super tasty. 
um, again, food here, um, all your Oktoberfest staples are going to go with it just because that's how we've been imprinted as a society. Personally, myself here, honestly, actually, um, and, and, and to be fair, it's a thing you can get at Oktoberfest. Um, I was going to say roast chicken or a roast bird, maybe something a little bit more complicated, maybe a, a turkey. In fact, um, while this is at the LCBO, if you are listening to this in the province of Ontario or another jurisdiction uh, where you celebrate Thanksgiving at a sensible time of year and uh, also have access to this beer, this would be a really good Thanksgiving beer. Um, again, it there's a little bit more malt uh, characteristic. There's just... <laughs> Everything is a little bit more turned up, not a lot, just a little bit more turned up than if it was, say, like a Hellas uh, lager. Um, it's it's there's just a bit more of everything. Um, so here, like a roast bird, a, a chicken or a turkey or bless you, if you um, feel so inclined, do it on the on the grill, on the barbie, uh, on the smoker, even if uh, you may be so bold, if you're going to go that route. Could I recommend to you, regardless of the size of the bird, from a, a guinea fowl right up to a goose, uh, if you're if you're actually even if you're doing it in the oven, um, consider spatchcocking it. And that's not just because I'm drinking a German beer and I'm going to assume the word spatchcock comes from German. It certainly sounds German. Uh, but when you're cooking a fowl. Uh, I know your temptation is going to be you want the turkey and you're going to sh shove all of the stuffing uh, into the cavity of the bird. And I, I see where you're going with this. You're going to render some of the fat out. But unfortunately, the, the nature of the um, anatomy of the bird actually means that most of what you think is immersing that stuffing, it's going in the pan. Um, the, the, that cavity in that bird, it used to hold its organs. It's not as permeable as you think, um, even when you're cooking it. Uh, far better, far better uh, for you to make the stuffing, um, uh, possibly if you plan far enough ahead. And, and I mean, if you're just doing the cooking for the turkey day on the day of the turkey, you're kind of already under the gun anyway. But uh, certainly if, if you have uh, if you have the time um, when you're making that stuffing, make it the day before and and trim your bird. Um, so you're going to have a lot of bits of fat you could easily cut off, especially if you if you go the road I'm uh, suggesting and spatchcock it. Um, yeah, you're going to want carcass bits and the gizzards uh, to make a, a, a stock for the gravy. And uh, hey, I'm not telling you not to do that, but just pull some of that fat out and let it render a little bit in a pan, maybe with some bacon. And then that's going to be the, the 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 fat that you use in your stuffing with your you know your bread and your uh, <clears throat> sage and rosemary and uh, 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 I keep say cucumbers. Please don't put cucumbers in your stuffing. Um, celery was the word I couldn't come up with. And onions and maybe a bit of carrots. Mirepoix, if you prefer. Anyway, uh, that's uh, that was an unexpected and um, unplanned PSA. Don't make your stuffing in the bird. It's not doing anybody any favors, especially because if you're a smart uh, 
uh, junior ranger, you're going to spatchcock your bird rather than cook it intact. Spatchcocking is where if you can picture a, a turkey, um, you know, sitting all pretty on the on the plate. OK, so its spine, its back is down. It's basically lying on its back on that plate. Sorry if that's a little too graphic for you, but that one once was an animal that did have a back and a spine, and uh, now it's dead and lying on its spine on your plate. Before you cook it, uh, take that spine side, and using a, um, a pair of kitchen shears, um, you need some pretty heavy-duty cutters here. You're just going to cut down both sides of the spine. You're going to cut the spine right out of the bird. Then uh, you'll sort of flex the bird open a bit and using a, uh, a very sharp and ideally heavy knife, a cleaver really comes in handy here, or a butcher's knife, um, you split the keel bone from the inside and flatten the bird out. Spatchcock. Uh, then uh, you do whatever you're going to do to it. You can you know, rub it down with a bit of oil if you like that. I'm fine with that. A little, uh, uh, a little rub perhaps definitely some salt and pepper and uh you know a turkey accepts a rub known in the barbecue world as the scarborough fair um pretty generously that's a that's a rub of equal parts of dried parsley sage rosemary and thyme and uh that's a nice flavor uh component i'm you wouldn't catch me cooking a turkey without at least sage and garlic on it so you can start with that and work up Anyway, the, the benefit to spatchcocking is you get a more even roast or smoke uh, between the breast and the leg. The problem being that the breast tends to cook much more quickly than the leg, um, but that's contingent on the fact that those legs are, are tucked in to the body when you're cooking them. When you spatchcock it, the legs end up turned outwards and they're on their own and they cook more quickly, which means that they cook at roughly almost the same uh, time as the breasts. So when your legs are done, your breasts aren't dried out. And if you've ever had a slice of really like almost pasty, dry, unattractive breast meat from a turkey, that's because grandma cooked it with stuffing in it, trust in the oven, and she was taking heat uh, measurements from the leg, which, by the way, is where you should. But the problem is, by the time the leg has come up to temp, the breast is bordering on mummified. So anyway... Um, when you're drinking this beer and thinking about what to eat with it, the answer is some sort of a roasted bird. And when you roast that bird, spatchcock it. That was the point of that story. Let me have another sip. Let me have another sip. Now, it's an interesting point here, this beer. I'm going to have a roasted bird with it if you like. By the way, uh, if you don't eat uh, animals, uh, hey, cool. Neither do I. Figure something out yourself. It's a good beer. It'll pair with a lot of things. It's not rocket science. This would be a good beer with a, a burger, plant-based burger. I, well, I couldn't actually kill a plant-based burger right now. I just had dinner not that long ago, and it was delicious. We had pad thai. Would this beer work with pad thai? I mean, it would. Not ideally. I was drinking something different. But uh, it wouldn't be terrible. There's no real sour characteristics in this beer, and there's certainly a lot in the pad thai. Also salty, so bit of juxtaposition not a natural pairing maybe not a natural pairing but 
you won't go blind. I mean, I haven't yet, so you'll probably be fine. Oh, I'm burping a lot, though. It's the problem with drinking a lot of beer in a short period of time. Now, here's the thing. I've been bigging up Oktoberfest beers, and uh, we had that other one there last week. Still can't remember what it is. That's a problem, guys. Take care of your heads, and more importantly, take care of your kids' heads. If you have a kid and that kid has a head, try not to let it get hit off of too many hard things. There are long-term consequences to that. Um, you want to be careful with that. Yeah. Listen to the experts. Um, yeah, we've been talking about Nanbe. Really nice beer. Love Nanbe. Beautiful Martin beer from uh, uh, Godspeed. So good. But Nanbe in this... Even visually, if you can remember, holding it up for the camera, by the way, if you're listening to the podcast, a deep, golden, clear beer. Nanbei, if you recall, tending to coppery, almost brown, darker, right? A lot of Munich malt in there. This beer, incidentally, not a lot of Munich malt. Some, maybe, but not much. This is predominantly just like an overproof lager made for people to drink a lot of bless them um the other one nope Ken's not still on the desk yeah annoying how quickly that brewery's name gone from my head but anyway it is gone and uh it was also in that same category darker Martzen beer nice right like a, a Bach it's not Oktoberfest beer, more like a lager turned up to 11. Um, Paul Anner, as I said, one of the breweries in Munich. It would be interesting to compare this to another Munich brewery's Oktoberfest beer. Not an Ontario one. Not a brewery from Hamburg. Another Munich-based one. That, that would that would be interesting and and you know, we could actually think about them and see, maybe they're identical. Maybe that's just how they do it in Munich. I'd say we'll never know, but I happen to have a bottle of Hofbrauhaus Oktoberfest beer right here. Hey, it's Oktoberfest. Let's drink two beers. And really, if we're honest, three. Did I consider buying a second one of these and using a second Stein? Yes, I did. Did I consider the ramifications of drinking two liters of Oktoberfest beer at 9-ish p.m. on a Monday night? Yes, I did. I am on holiday. I could have woken up tomorrow with a sore head, but I was fairly productive today, and I would enjoy doing that again tomorrow. So I reduced that volume by 500 mil. Hey, check out this cool Stein I've got. It's a big, tall, narrow one. I got this one that you might be able to see. It says uh, GTA Brews Homebrew Club. Got it from the GTA Brews Homebrew Club. Nice Stein. Important part, it's a half liter Stein, not a whole liter Stein. Now, I do need a bottle opener for this. This Hofbrauhaus is in a bottle. Listening at home, kids kind of quiet but we'll take it Hofbrauhaus also Munich based brewery uh, Hofbrau and Paul Anner I think both have at least two major tents at Oktoberfest 
They know how to party. Oh, I'm not doing this on camera. Sorry. Can you see it on camera? Oh, boy. Finished strong. Now, Hofbrau House Oktoberfest beer. This is a lot of stuff in German on the label. Oh, pardon me, Hofbrau House. Extra glad I only got one of you. It's 6.3% alcohol. So it's like, I wonder if like Paul Anner was like, yeah, our Oktoberfest beer is six. And Hackershore went, really? Well, ours will be 6.1. By the way, Hackershore and Paul Anner, same company, same parent company. They brew out of the same facility, but I digress. Uh, who else is in Munich these days? Hackershore, Paul Anner, Erdinger? Erdinger was like, yeah, well, ours is 6.2. And then Hofbrau came along and said, yeah, well, ours is 6.3. Holding them up for the cameras. I mean, they look pretty similar. Funny enough, Hofbrau, slightly paler. Slightly less deep, rich gold color than Paul Anner. <laughs> Who knew? Let's give it a sniff. I mean, it smells very similar. <laughs> a lot of malt, bit grassy hop. Huh. Oh. Pardon me, I've judged far too soon. That's a different beer, without a doubt. Okay, the malt characteristic on this beer, almost the same. I can tell you visually the malt bill is going to be slightly different, but minutely different. But the Hofbrau Oh, the Hofbrau has a nuttiness to it, which actually could be related to the grain, I suppose. Hang on, I gotta drink a bit of the Paul Anner. Oh yeah, no, no comparison. Okay, I have a theory. These beers are almost the same, but two things I think Hofbrau has done here, and I'm just guessing, since I'm not an expert, why are you paying attention to this podcast if you don't think I'm an expert? Maybe I'm not expert enough in German brewing specifically, but I can tell you that the Hofbrau... There's a nutty quality. There's a clarity to the flavor of the malt that is not as prevalent in the Paul Anner. Probably more importantly, the hopping, it's not a hoppy beer, but the hops are doing more lifting in this arrangement than in the Paul Anner. In the Paul Anner, they're just sort of numbing some of the sweetness in the Hofbrau I'm really tasting I'm not entirely sure what but a really nice herbal leafy kind of hop thing 
it's almost getting into like black tea levels of bitterness. Not bitter, still a predominantly malt-driven sweet beer. But the finish comes off a lot cleaner and also just more interesting. There's a floral almost finish on this beer. Hard to nail down, not 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 aggressively, not perfumey, like wildflowery floral. Sort of like a a meadowy kind of floral. Again, so some grass, some earth, meadowy. Paul Anner, if I may, have another sip of this gigantic beer. Yeah, the Paul Anner's fine. It's just less refined. It's less sophisticated. Uh, they're doing actually the exact same thing. Just... Well, I mean, uh, maybe the argument here... I'm trying to think of a good analog here in pairing. Oh, yeah, okay. I, I was thinking high-end. I'm thinking of automotives because Germans and cars, right? Oh, well, you know, you know what? We, we, can, we can do this. The Paul Anner um, Oktoberfest beer, very nice, very effective, totally does its job. Gonna have a sip of it right now. Yeah, very, very good beer. Um, I could happily drink that, maybe not daily, might get a little bit much daily. It's pretty punchy beer at 6%, especially drinking the way that it does, which is to say easy. Um, but to use automotives and specifically German automotives as an example, Paul Anner is an Audi A6. Well, that's a that's not a bad car, an Audi A6. Certainly out of my budget, Audi A6. A Audi A6, just in case you're uh, curious, sedan. But this is a big one. The A6, the A4 is the, the uh, is it A4 coupe? I think it's a four-door. But uh, the A6, the point is, this is the car. They're fast, but they're big and they're designed for cruising, uh, you know, taking the Autobahn a great distance. By the way, nobody mentioned this, but I did look it up. I mentioned uh, last week when I was having that beer, still can't remember who made it, uh, from Hamburg. Uh, what is the driving distance between Munich and Hamburg? Well, let me tell you, you would probably want something like an Audi A6 to make that drive big, comfortable, well-appointed, ideally with leather seats and a nice cup holder. Because that is an eight and a half hour drive. <laughs> eight and a half hours. And by the way, that was Google timing. So they're allowing the fact that you're probably driving on an Autobahn for a significant distance and driving shockingly fast. Um, that's that's the distance between Munich and Hamburg. So. Holsten, that's the name of the movie. <laughs> by the way. I just learned the hard way that I can't snap my left hand because apparently I use that finger that, if we're honest, 
it's seen better days. Poor finger. Um, Holston, that's who made the beer last week. They're from Hamburg. The distance between Munich and Hamburg, eight and a half hours driving, according to Google. When I looked it up the other day, maybe traffic is different today, but that was the to the moment driving time. It was like eight hours and 37 minutes. Oh, it's like, where was I going with this? Anyway, Paul Anner, this one, I'm going to have another sip of. Mmm. That's an Audi A6. And uh, in almost every situation, I would say that Audi A6 is probably better than most any other car I'm ever going to get to drive. Um, certainly better than my Volkswagen Jetta, which I love. It's a great car. It gets me around. It does the thing I wanted to do. It's a station wagon, too. I can fit a lot of stuff in there. I'm a fan of that car. I, I, I couldn't say more good things about it. But... It, <laughs> In almost every measure, is an Audi A6 a better car? Yeah, it's a better car. I'm gonna have another. I'm gonna have another sip of the Audi A6. Hang on a second. But the Audi A6 is a very good car, and most other similar large sedans, touring cars, could only at best keep up with it. With um, with with one pretty notable exception, and that's this, which is a BMW M5, probably a 2003. On paper, it should be the same car, but somehow it's just a lot lot better <laughs> it's maybe not the same ingredients but very similar ingredients and the recipe is very similar too and somehow that m5 is just a lot better than an a6 now hey 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 i hear you what about the s6s of the same vintage the Audi S6 is an S6 to an M5 is a, a more fair comparison. If I was making a real pure apples to apples comparison, it would have been an A6 to a 5 series um, BMW. Um, but the reality is they're all sort of in the same category. It's just the um, S and the M's are the elite level. And I did that on purpose. Paul Anner could have made an elite level, but they didn't. They made an A6. And is there anything wrong with an A6? No, it's totally fine. It's better than fine. It's actually better than a lot of people ever get to enjoy. But some people get to enjoy an M5. And my friends, if you're buying an Oktoberfest lager at the LCBO, could I counsel you towards this brown bottle, Hofbrauhaus Oktoberfest beer? This is the M5 of beers in Oktoberfest. Is there anything wrong with the A6? Nothing. Comes in cans. Easy to consume, easy to drive. Is there anything like a 2003 BMW M5 in that style of car? I mean, not in my lifetime. Is the new M5 twice as powerful? Yeah, but is it as much fun? No. This is the beer you want. This is the BMW M5. Have this beer. So much better.
That part of the show is brought to you by the genetics that uh, make up half of my body, which come from a guy who was a car dealer for his entire professional life. Turns out, I kind of like cars sometimes. I kind of don't like the way they're killing us all, or not them specifically, but the thing that they run on, which, to be fair, if you don't have gasoline, a car is just a giant pile of scrap metal. Um... But man, a really nice car is a really nice thing. Now, I should point out, I have a neighbor who has an RS7. That's an Audi, and it's a pretty nice car, too. But can it hold in a candle to those early aughts M5s? Hard to say. Certainly, his has paddle shifting. There's only two pedals on the floor. Those early 2000 M5s, you had to shift those with your hands and your feet like a normal human. Yeah, can the computer do it better? Damn right it can. Faster? Definitely. Better release on the clutch and engagement of the torque? Every time. Every time the computer will be better. But will it be more fun? No. And are you driving that car to win something? Are you getting paid for how quickly you can shift? No. Your payment is an enjoyment. And if you don't get to feel that, then you didn't get paid, son. So figure that out. Anyway, uh, this has turned into a weird automotive uh, version of the Toronto Beer Podcast. I am currently consuming both Paul Anner Oktoberfest beer and Hofbrauhaus Oktoberfest beer. Both breweries from Munich. Both in Steins of two different... Um, Sizes, I was going to say orders of magnitude. It's not that drastic. It's just half. Um, the winner in my mind, that Hofbrauhaus. What, what a fantastic beer. That is a hell of a brew. Uh, either way, both of these again. Actually, and funny enough, we didn't talk specifically about food with this. The Hofbrauhaus, actually, it's going to do more or less the same thing. But it's almost a beer I would like to simplify a little bit. Mmm. You know where this beer would excel? Now it's gonna take a it's gonna take a bit of intention. This beer is gonna work well in a more of like a charcuterie or a tapas environment, as long as you're intentional about which things you're you're choosing with it. Um, it it's gonna work just fine, like the Paul Anner did with a, a roasted bird. That'll that'll work. That'll be fine. You'll get there. Sweetness from the beer, bit of sweetness, bit of fattiness from the bird. Fine. It'll do the same things, but the thing is, it can do more things. Much like in my analogy of the S6 versus the M5. The M5 can do things that the S6 just can't. And um, uh, sure, the Pollander is going to go fine with cheese, but you can get into some pretty interesting things with cheese. If you can get yourself Montfort Dairy, if if they made it through COVID, I haven't looked them up. Maybe I should look them up right now. Oh, gosh, I hope they made it. This would be a real, real sad throw if I look it up right now and they're like, yeah, they closed. No, they're still alive. At least their website certainly looks that way. Oh, look at that happy person with a hairnet on their head and beard. It looks like they're hiring. They're going to markets. They're doing the same thing that they always do. That's 
That's what we're looking for, Montfort Dairy. Glad you guys made it. Would have missed you. To be fair, I don't get to farmer's markets as often as I used to. Montfort Dairy. Beautiful cheesemaker here in Ontario. Often, you'll find them at, as noted, farmer's markets. Um, they make some really interesting aged cheeses that aren't themselves necessarily cheddars, but like they'll they'll describe as like this is like in the the same family. Um, these cheeses, they're they're again quite old, quite fatty, um, very crumbly. It's very crumbly cheese. But sometimes with those cheeses, you're going to you're going to get some weird things happening here because there's some serious bacterial things happening in the cheese. Um, but. Something happens with and I'm, I'm assuming it's related to the lactose. I think it almost has to be. It's the only thing in there. It's just milk and bacteria. Something in that process, in that aging Something about the way that that cheese dries out, because that's part of what's happening. That's why it becomes so dry and crumbly, is it's losing moisture, right, in the aging process. It's kept in humidity-controlled rooms, but it, it, <laughs> the, the cheese, when it's made, it's like high 90s percent humidity, relatively speaking. So if you're just keeping it in like a 60-something percent uh, relative humidity, it's giving off moisture the longer it's there because it's trying to achieve um, e equilibrium with its surrounding space. That's just science. Um, as it dries out, something happens to some of those milk... I'm going to go with proteins. I don't know what sugars... And those cheeses can take on a, a caramelly note. Now, don't mistake me here. The cheese is not sweet. It's still a funky, bacterially weird, salty cheese. But you'll get this glimmer of caramelly sweetness in the cheese. You know, I've had it from a few different cheeses from Montfort Dairy. I've had it from one or two other European cheeses. So this might be something that is time sensitive. It might not last. Maybe the process continues and it breaks down further and you lose it. Because a lot of those European cheeses, by the time they get here, they're kind of old. <laughs> I mean, they're already old, but they're even older than they were when they took them out of the cave, for instance. But that caramelly note... It can really come through on some cheeses, especially, as I note, Montfort Dairy. And as long as you're driving an M5, you might as well go out of your way to get a nice piece of cheese to go with it. And some of those really old, not super funky, you don't want to be scraping gray off the outside of the cheese, not quite that level of funky, but a nice, sharp, quite crumbly cheddar-like uh, cheese from Montfort with that notable little... It's like... A, it's almost like an afterthought of caramel, except it's a little more than an afterthought. With this beer... Oh, I couldn't even tell you. It'd be... It's making me wish I had some cheese right now. Man... 
That's a really tasty beer. They're both very good. I'm going to finish them both because I got nowhere to be tomorrow. I can go down to the club and have myself a sauna and just sweat all of this out like that. It's gone. But anyway, that's what we're doing tonight. It is the, as far as the Toronto Beer Podcast is concerned, the final night of Oktoberfest because it ended this past weekend. You want to have an Oktoberfest party next weekend? You're welcome to. <laughs> I say, do you want to celebrate Easter two and a half weeks later? That's fine too. Actually, that's totally normal. You might be Orthodox. I realize we use different calendars. If you want to have Orthodox Oktoberfest in two and a half weeks or whatever, I'm not going to rain on that parade. If you just want to have it because you don't understand the nature of the holiday, hey, celebrate it any old time you want. Have Oktoberfest in February for all I care. Good luck finding Hofbrauhaus. This beer will not be at the LCBO long. Not if I have anything to say about it. But you celebrate any old time you want. But as far as history is concerned, and certainly the Toronto Beer Podcast is concerned, Oktoberfest is now over. Or it will be over when I'm done these two beers. I was going to say, and possibly more. No, not possibly more. These are all the Oktoberfest beers I had in my icebox, and I'm drinking them all right now. It's going to be that kind of a party. Erica, if you're still watching, you're a lucky lady. Uh, <laughs> anyway, Oktoberfest is over. Prost, friends. That's how they say cheers in Germany. I just raised that. I have to drink it now. Man, and I could drink that all night, and I'm going to, because I'm going to finish the Pollyanna first. Actually, friends, it's we're coming up on 50 minutes. You get a little insight into the action here. This, this Hofbrauhaus... It's going back in the icebox. I want to keep it cool while I finish this Paul Anner, which again isn't a fine beer. If somebody came up to you and said, hey, do you want an Audi A6? I'm just going to give it to you. You would probably say yes, please. And thank you, kind person, for offering me this fine piece of German engineering. You'd probably take out the microfiber towel and polish it down on a Saturday. Maybe you'd use one of those uh, spritz bottles on the tires to give the sidewalls a attractive glisten. Maybe, maybe you'd uh, use a bit of armor all on the on the dash and and possibly on the steering wheel and the gear shift vacuum out that little space between the the seat and the center console very hard to get to very hard to get a vacuum in there but i bet if you had an audi a6 you'd you'd go above and beyond for that car that's a good car certainly you would get regular oil changes probably using a synthetic oil as you do Audi A6, is that a turbocharged engine? I don't believe it is. Oh, no, pardon me, it is. I'm pretty sure it is a turbocharged engine. 
well, you're going to have to put high octane gas in there. Otherwise, you're going to get knocking because the compression on that engine is high. And um, conventional gasolines at the lower octane levels are going to pre-ignite in your engine, um, causing, well, well knocking, um, which is one of those things that sounds made up, but still can happen in modern cars, funny enough, um, including turbocharged German engines. Uh, you need the, that higher octane to allow for greater compression. Uh, you would do all that for that beautiful car, that beautiful car somebody gave you. At some point, you might want to ask, why did they give me this car? Who, who was I to them? How did they come by it? Is this somebody who worked for Audi? Is this a normal thing that they just give cars away? doesn't seem normal to me. <laughs> Say, this is my fantasy, so I should have these answers. I think in my mind, this is your fantasy, and I'm looking for the answer from you. Why did they give you that Audi? Also, where do I get my Audi? <laughs> I know I just sang the praises of the M5, but the M5 is in the fridge right now. It can't hear us. Give me an Audi A6. Especially if it's a wagon. That's one knock that the M5 has. You can get an A6 wagon. You cannot get an M5 wagon. To the best of my knowledge, I could be wrong there. God help us if they make an M5 wagon. I thought I lusted after cheese. Holy moly. Anyway, uh, Paul Anner. This one right here. From Munich. You can see on the can there. If you want to say it like a Canadian, you can say munchen. You'll be wrong, but that's how you can say it if you want. Available at the LCBO right now in beautiful, tall cans. You can also pick up their uh, Hellas and their Weizbier. Um, all very typical German uh, brews. Didn't notice that they had the Dunkel, but they might. And if they don't, more's the shame. Uh, in incidentally, if you ever want to have a little bit of fun like I just did here, slightly more um, seasonally um, easy to find. Uh, stand a Paulaner Hefweizbier, Weissen, wheat beer, if you want the English, against a Hackershore. Hackershore and Paulaner, as I noted earlier in the episode, uh, they're owned by the same parent company and they brew out of the same facility. They do still make their beers to their own recipes, but these are two beers that are very closely related um, and it is actually interesting to taste them side by side on the one hand because you go wow German wheat beer just tastes like German wheat beer but if you spend a bit of time with it you'll go actually these are two very distinctly different beers they do their own thing and uh, that's a that's a bit of a fun exercise I would recommend it if you want to get really technical Throw a can of side launch wheat beer in there from right here in Ontario. Uh, yeah, Michael Hancock hasn't been brewing there in a long time, but he does still periodically check in with the beer. And last I heard, he didn't have any serious complaints. So they're still doing it more or less to his, um, I was going to say his exacting standards, uh, probably less, uh, but at least to his um, standards. Uh, his exacting standards included throwing away a lot of beer um, because uh, he was a man, is a man. Pardon me, Michael. Didn't mean to put you in the past tense there, buddy. Still alive. Uh, he is a man who does not accept good. He only accepts 
perfect. Um, which, while he is an English fellow himself, uh, stands him in good stead with our uh, German brothers and sisters uh, who are exacting, to say the least. Anyway, you can get a Paul Anner at the LCBO right now. You can get a side launch at the LCBO also right now. And you can get a Hofbrauhaus at the LCBO in this beautiful 500 mil bottle. If I had to pick one, I wouldn't even think about it. I would just get more and more of those bottles. That was a hell of a nice beer. Uh, again, past tense, it, it's not dead yet. It's still in my fridge. Gonna finish it later once I polish off this Paul Anner, which is quite nice too. Quite nice. I almost kind of wish I hadn't done that. I could have drank all this Paul Anner just on the podcast. Sang its praises. Sung Angels by Robbie Williams if you wanted. French horns and all. I didn't. I went and had one that was better. Again, not to say this one's bad, but sometimes in life, other things are better, and that is the case tonight. Uh, if you're drinking an Oktoberfest beer, A, you're too late, but next year, if you're listening to this in 11 months, in preparation, I couldn't recommend more strongly Hofbrauhaus. If you are lucky enough, like my friend Taylor, to be in Munich right now, I couldn't tell you more firmly to go and drink Hofbrauhaus beer. Go to their tent, go to the brewery, drink it in the streets, drink it on Drunk Hill, drink it wherever you want, but drink Hofbrauhaus. What a hell of a nice beer. Paul Anner, you're fine too. Okay, guys. Oktoberfest over. No PSA, no events. This episode's almost an hour long. I just gotta say goodbye. Uh, that's what happens when we drink two beers. And I'm also on holiday. I don't have anywhere to be, so I can just sit here and talk all night. But I can't. I do have places I want to be, and they are my living room after walking my dog. So those are two things that need to happen, and they're about to happen in the next few minutes. As noted, we covered rugby off the top Bombay Beach Club making history as far as we know, winning it all, literally it all in fine form, too. As I say, close game. Nicely done, Scottish. Shame about that guy who tripped over the 22. Um, if, man, if he hadn't, if Dudu hadn't banked that kick in off the post, a lot of ifs and nuts, but uh, if, ifs and nuts, I mean, ifs and buts, candy and nuts. The moral of the story is we won. The good guys won. Again, thank you for all the support that I got this week. Thank you for anybody who didn't reach out, but you felt some support in your heart. Appreciate that, too. As always noted, if you want to play rugby, if you've got somebody young in your life that wants to play rugby, reach on out. I'll connect you. I know. <laughs> I know all the people. 
And in a lot of the cases, I am the people. So uh, reach on out. Uh, I will be back next week, October. It is October. It's October the 3rd right now, but we are shifting heavy into October mode. Are we drinking pumpkin beers? Hmm. Maybe. Some. Maybe. One. Maybe. Uh, but we're going to get in some good October beers. And then, kids, mark your calendars because November is going to be Belgian Beer Month. Do you drink Belgian beers? If you don't, you should. They are delicious. And we are going to drink a different Belgian or Belgian style, but mostly Belgian beers. Uh, through the month of November, December. Well, what do you think we're doing? It's going to be Christmas time. I'm going to be working like a dog because I'm a mailman and Santa pays us overtime. So we're in there hard and fast. That's what we got coming down the pike. Yes, I am on holiday this week. Yes, I am planning on releasing an episode. An episode? That's not what we call magazines. An issue of Spent Grains. Gosh, it's been so long. I got the itch to get back into publishing. Yes, I teased out Beer Scouts International. I said it might be this week. It's not going to be this week, but it's coming down the pike. Sorry, I needed a fortifying sip of Paul Anner Oktoberfest beer there. Uh, will it happen before the end of the month? I hope so. Do you know what it looks like? I mean, only what I've teased. Am I teasing anything right now? Nope, just the name. But you can look us up on Instagram. Flip back 30 seconds. You'll hear the name. Look us up. There's nothing there to see, but you could follow us first. I don't think anybody has yet. There might be a badge in it for you, but I'm just putting that out there. Anyway, we've rolled the clock on one hour. I got to go, guys. I got places I got to be and dogs I got to walk. You know how it goes. Hey, happy Oktoberfest. Prost. Um, you know, in almost any other circumstance, I'd let Robbie Williams take us home playing Angels. But you know what I really want to do? Other than have another sip of that delicious Paul Anner Oktoberfest beer. I want to let Rob Curry take us home the way that I always do. Link, Ray, Gun. Link is in the uh, description, the bio, the whatever, wherever you're listening to this. Click that link. Buy that album. It is just fantastic uh you will play it in the car you will play it in the shower you will play it while you work out depending on how long you work out it's only an ep so don't get crazy but it is a banger and we love it and this is it good night (laughs) 